Hello, hello, and Happy New Year, my friends. Welcome to the Black Girl Country Living Podcast, a space where we are learning to reconnect to ourselves, each other, and this beautiful living world we are a part of. As I thought about how much it has meant to me to be exploring these ideas around reconnecting to nature and live a slower, more intentional life, I really wanted to reflect that in the way that I share my ideas out with the world. And so this new monthly podcast is a part of that larger vision. This month, we are going to be diving into what it means to be slowing down in this new season, to be setting intentions and starting off a new year with creating space for ourselves and richness in our lives. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing my letter from the editor from Black Girl Country Living Magazine. I'm going to be talking with a friend about John Francis's story of intentional environmental activism. We'll be sharing some music. I'll be talking about what it even means to set intentions. And then I'll introduce you to a few friends who are doing some really cool stuff around helping us connect back to nature. I am so excited to have you on this ride with me. And I hope that if this podcast is meaningful for you, if you resonate with the ideas that I share, please like it and leave a review on Spotify, on Apple, and share it with a friend. Thanks so much, and let's get into it. Hello, wild ones. Slow winter walks in the forest with a cup of tea have become one of my favorite activities. I once assumed that these places were dead and uninteresting this time of year, but that is far from the truth. They are very much alive and thriving, but in more subtle ways than I had imagined, and it requires patience to see and appreciate that kind of beauty. Instead of life taking place above in the towering trees, it has shifted to the forest floor. Down there, a shallow carpet of moss has emerged, and it is thriving in this cool, damp weather. Below the pine trees, tiny fungus poke through, and the lush salal hug the bases of the tree. These small, understated plants are working to break down, regenerate, recreate, and prepare for new life. This slow, virtuous cycle is a living conversation. I reflect for a moment on the delicate balance and the nuanced work taking place beneath the surface in order to produce big growth in the months to come. Why is this cycle assumed necessary for the natural world, but not necessary for our human lives? How might life be different if we allowed space for this kind of deep inner work and recovery? Sitting with these questions, I thought about my own creative process. I considered my cycle of writing a new newsletter each week for the last year. No time to sit with an idea to find a deeper truth. No time to have a dialogue on how those ideas moved you as readers or hear your perspective a reflection really of our broader consumption habits as a culture and something that I am ready to challenge. So this year, instead of producing for the sake of newness, 
My intention for 2023 is to create at a slower, more intentional pace, a pace inspired by nature, to allow spaciousness that invites in new perspectives, to uplift others' experiences and insights. Because, much like the activity happening on the forest floor, there is richness in the slow, deep work that we can do together. Thank you so much for taking the time to slow down and be present with me. Take care, be kind, and we will talk soon. So often we think about making changes in our life or in the world, and we think about how can we do this quickly? What is the quick and dirty way to get this done? And we're not really thinking about the long term, a slow or intentional approach. So when I thought about who represents slow, intentional when it comes to connecting with nature and connecting with our environment, I love John Francis's story because it really does represent pursuing change in a very slow and intentional way. And I thought that instead of just reading the story to you, I would invite a friend of mine on to talk about the story, share the story, and somebody who is really passionate about um, sustainability and environmental activism as well. So I want to welcome my dear friend, David Hernandez III. Welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much. Can you just tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Yeah. My name is David Hernandez III. I'm an actor living in New York. I have gotten super involved with sustainability and social justice and activism and self-research on my heritage, being Puerto Rican, being a person of color, being a mixed person of color in this world, and how that dynamic has affected me throughout my life. In that journey, I've been trying to include all the things that I care about. I love plants. I've got literally 25 plants in my tiny studio apartment in New York. And I grew up on a farm and I've always been outdoorsy. And I kind of lost sight of that a little bit when I moved to the city. And I separated these things of, you know, outdoor, where I grew up on the farms in South Dakota versus the jungle of New York City. And in all of this self-discovery and research and learning about my heritage, I've now started to realize that those things can fuse a little bit more. Like I don't have to completely forgo my past. And yeah, it's led me down this path of learning about the environment and sustainability and the social injustices that happen in this country that I was just not privy to for about 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting path. I think we both have got on being from a small state like South Dakota and being like, we're getting out of here (laughs) and deciding that we want nothing to do with the ways that we were raised, but also coming back to it. And I loved John Francis's story because I think it does encompass some of that idea of how all of these things are intertwined and that the idea of nature is in everything that we do. Had you heard of John Francis before this? I hadn't. I was talking to a friend and I was like, have you heard of John Francis? Like, I've never heard of him in blah, blah, And they were like, the Pope? I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. You, true. That's also true. I was like, no. <laughs> but no, I had not heard of him. And his story is real cool. This resonates yeah. with me a ton. Yeah. 
Yeah, I had only heard of him maybe like a year ago, and I assume most people haven't heard of him. And that is why I wanted to highlight the story and share with more people. And I think that's really what Sacred Stories is about, is making sure we know that there are a lot of people who have been out here showing us how we can connect with the environment and um, how we can play a role in connecting to ourselves and the world around us. So I would love it if you would just dive in and read us the story. Sure, yeah. Here we go. Dr. Francis cared so deeply about the environment that he stopped riding in cars. And when he tired of arguing about that decision, he stopped speaking. After two decades of walking the country in silence, his greatest learning was that how we treat each other is directly related to how we treat the environment. Here are three things you should know about John. After witnessing an oil spill in San Francisco Bay in 1974, John was shocked by the devastation caused to the local environment. He wanted to make a stand, so he stopped riding in cars for 22 years. For weeks, he argued with his friends about whether one person could have an impact. Tired of debating, he decided to stop speaking and just listen for one day. And that one day of silence taught him so much about himself in the world that he extended it into 17 years of silence. During his years in silence, he walked across the country with his banjo, learning about the environment. In that time, he earned his BS, MS, and PhD in environmental studies and taught classes on effective communication. The greatest lesson he learned from his time in silence was that we must care for each other if we want to care for the environment. If our environment is a product of how we treat each other, what is one practice you can do to improve our environment? Thank you. One thing that I really love about this idea is that he really believed so deeply that his actions did matter. And I think it's so easy for us to get caught up in believing that we can't make a difference and things both on a personal level, but also on a global level with so much happening that our individual actions don't matter. And I think John standing for what he believed in is so important, especially in this moment where it feels like the only things that are worth doing are things that are quick and fast. What's something that stood out to you about his story? So about two years ago, I took a course on sustainability. And as I started to implement that into my life, I realized how much work it was, how much you have to work against society in order to do this thing that is so good for the world and for our environment, our social interactions is so important. People just don't think about it. And not only do they not think about it, but our entire structure of society makes us not think about it. As I started to think about it, and once I learned about sustainability being zero waste, I started following what the New York City sanitation rules are and what needs to go where and what needs to be washed. And I started to implement them. And I just noticed I had roommates at the time and they were constantly judging me. They were like, oh, do you really need to wash that container? I remember people looking at me and being like, wow, you're really doing the most. And one of the biggest things for me was composting. I started doing that in the city and it's not easy. I would have to walk. Blocks doesn't sound like it's very far, but in New York, blocks and avenues can be really far. And I would collect this compost. And once it would get to a certain point, I would walk it. And I remember trudging through the winter wind blowing or if it was raining to this little place that had this little box that was compost for the city. 
I remember people were like, wow, why are you doing so much? Do you really think that you're having an impact? And I had such a roller coaster with it because I was like, God, I am doing so much work. And there were days when it got so stressful where I was on the verge of tears being like, I want to be sustainable. I want to practice these things that I've learned, but it's so hard. And with all these people questioning me, then I realized that as I continued to power through, I started these conversations with people and people started to ask me questions about things. I posted on Instagram on one of my stories, I was like, hey, I don't know if you guys know, but this plastic packaging, even if you put it in the recycling, if you leave the label on, it won't be recycled. So you like take your labels off and then put it in the recycling. And I had so many people, just like friends of mine. And I say so many people, it was like maybe five, but they reached out and they were like, oh my God, I had no idea. Thank you for pointing this out. Yeah. And I thought about that and I was like, so I am doing this recycling thing and I am reading the labels and, and trying to do the work. I'm not saying that I'm perfect because I am definitely not. But in my actions, just for myself, other people started asking questions. And in those questions, I could then develop a conversation. This impacted five people and those five people might tell two or three people and then bigger and bigger. I, I don't have an omniscient view. I don't know the percentage of what these little things that I do on a day-to-day -day are actually having an effect. But I like it. People are listening. And I talk about this a little bit in the magazine too, that setting an intention and creating practices around these things that matter to us. It's not about being perfect. And it's it's not about we're out here saving the world. But those things have ripple effects. You have your intention of wanting to do better of wanting to care for the environment, those things people started to notice and people started to ask questions and people started to think. Like when I'm sitting here thinking about, do I recycle this thing or not? Who do I know that could maybe help me with this? And they think of you and those things matter. I really feel that. Reading his story, I'm just like, I am not the only one. I'm going to keep doing yeah. this. And in those moments where it gets hard, it's just so nice to have a story like this to look back to and be like, no, you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Just keep going. My question for you is, would you stop talking for 17 years? I was thinking about that. I was like, I think that there's another thing that I could do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this was very much his mission. But yeah, I think that we can show up and do the little things within our own lives that, that make a difference. I wanted to go back to the question at the end of the story. If our environment is a product of how we treat each other, what is one practice you can do to improve our environment? And I was thinking about this in terms of the things that I'm already doing every day. What can I do better to create deeper connections? And one of the things that I love is Dr. Francis learning to listen. And I think that is something I'm constantly practicing, being present enough to really listen and trying to understand where people are coming from, being compassionate, um, being humble enough to listen when people have critical things to say. I think that could help this world feel like an easier place to live if we just extend that to one another. What about you? I could not agree more. While I don't think that I could be silent for 17 years, I definitely have learned that most times, if I just close my mouth, so much happens. I learn so much about the other person. 
questions arise on their own. Like they have their own revelations and discoveries yeah. as they're talking because I'm not interrupting and trying to push my ideas. And then when it gets to the point that they have a question or because conversations are give and take and ebb and flow. And when it comes back to me and I'm like, oh, I think it's my turn to speak. Now I'm going to choose to say something poignant and relevant because I've been sitting here listening and taking all the information that this person wants to and is willing to share. So I think silence, it doesn't have to be 17 years, but if you stay quiet for 17 minutes each day, it's such a great little thing that you can do day to day that does impact your environment because environment includes people in our relationships. Like it's not just the trees. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think when we give each other the space to be seen, when we give each other the space to arrive at our own conclusions, to trust our own intuition, I think that that cycle of rippling out into the world, it starts all over again. And people feel good. They feel like their life experience has been validated, that they've been heard, they've been seen, and they can then offer that to somebody else. So I think that's so important. One of the most beautiful things that I learned about this was in a therapy session. And my therapist, he taught me this really beautiful thing. And instead of but, because when you say but, it negates the thing that you said before. And once he said that to me, all of my conversations changed. I was like, wow, I, I said but, which completely dismissed what you were saying. And I didn't mean to say but, I wanted to add to what you were saying. And it's just one word, but it was such a huge thing in my communication with other people. I also started practicing with my listening. When a person would finish what they were sharing with me, my initial thing is not my opinion. The first thing that I do after someone is talking is I say, do you want me to listen or do you want my advice on that? And I think that question back to the person I'm genuinely asking, what do you need for me in this part of the conversation? But I've had so many people, their eyes, there's something that changes in their eyes where they're like, oh, you know what? I actually just needed to say that. And thank you for not bombarding me with your opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Isn't that wild? Just how often we think we need an answer from somebody, but we have it within us. Exactly. It's not, well, here's the solution for your problem. And it's no, that, that is your solution for a problem that you thought was similar. And if the person discovers it on their own or discovers something that moves them forward, it's, I don't know, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. I think of the time I spend in nature and going out and walking around in the forest or sitting in my garden, and it's just a container, a safe place for emotions to be. I'm not looking for somebody to come in and give me an answer. And I think we can be that container for other people, too. So I I love everything you had to share. Thank you so much, David. This was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on, helping us to dive into John Francis' story. Thanks so much. When I think about what it means to be connected to the natural world, One of the things that comes to mind is the rhythms that connect us, that drive us, that move us forward. I think that these appear in every part of our life. They appear in the seasons that we move through, 
in the predictable patterns we see in the world around us, in our breath. And one of the ways that rhythms have always been a grounding force for me is through music. It's been something that's got me through really difficult times, helped me celebrate in really joyous times. And so I wanted that to be a present part of this audio experience, the magazine. And to help me do that, I brought in my official music curator, my husband, Udo Kachima. And I am so excited to have him share a little bit about this playlist he put together that represents Slowly with Intention. Hey, this is Udi. In this month, I curated a playlist to help you dwell, turn inward, and steep in the moment. For me, winter's always been an opportunity for introspection and holds the potential for change. I wanted to create a set of music that expressed an understanding that growth and metamorphosis are not fast, nor can they be rushed. But as I was working on the mix, another idea came through, having faith. This resonated for me because sometimes it's hard to believe will come out of the darkness of winter. Faith brings us through every time and often more in touch with our essential nature. Whether it's allowing time for change or finding the faith to make it through, winter can be a challenging season. As you listen, think about how you can create more space in your life for slow, intentional transformation to unfurl. Get the link to the Spotify playlist in the show notes and enjoy. I am thinking back to John Francis and his quote, We are the environment. How we treat each other is really how we treat the environment. To me, this is such a powerful quote because it is not just about how we treat each other, but it is also about how we treat ourselves. And that is precisely why I thought it was important to include a section on self-care in a nature magazine and podcast because, y'all, it is all connected. This month, as I thought about the theme slowly with intention, I wanted to really get down to the basics of what it even means to set an intention. I think most of us have been part of a yoga class or a meditation where we're asked to set an intention and maybe like me, you found yourself a little bit stumped. With anything, I think it's important to first start with just a definition. So what is an intention? For me, I think of an intention as sort of a North Star of where I want to move in my life. It is how I want to evolve as a person or maybe what I hope to bring into this world. I see it as something that is different than a goal because it is not a pass-fail sort of thing. It's really more about a practice of how I want to bring something into the world in a much more gentle and compassionate way to evolve into a different kind of person. I think I've always thought of intentions as just maybe a simple belief or an idea, but never really knew how to connect with it more deeply. When that started to change for me is when I started to see intentions as more of a feedback loop versus a static idea that I set and forget it. 
when I started to see them as an ongoing conversation and a practice that I had to continually come back to, I found that they really started to resonate in my life and they became much more useful and sticky. So today I wanted to share a simple way that I think about setting intentions as a tool to start to see the actual change that we want to make in ourselves and in the world around us. It's three steps, starting with setting the intention, acting on the intention, and receiving feedback on our actions. Looking at it as a cycle and an ongoing practice allows us to focus on the continual improvement versus seeing it as this static idea that I've either met or failed. So let's use an example of being present because I think a lot of us can relate to wanting to be more present, to have more quality time with loved ones, to be more present at work so that we're not multitasking as much. Let's try this out. Starting with setting the intention, I first want to ask myself why I'm doing what I'm doing and what I'm hoping to get out of this. So if I'm setting the intention of being more present, for me, it's really about quality time with my kids and ensuring that they're getting the most out of me when we have time together. I think it's important to recognize that our intentions are both intellectual and emotional because both of those forces shape our actions. Bringing an awareness to our minds and our hearts at the beginning of the intention cycle is how we really bring the right kind of energy into that change. Acting on the intention. So once I've set the intention to be more present, it's really about how am I moving through the world to move this energy out of my head and into the world around me. So if I'm thinking about being more present, that might show up as me putting my phone in the other room so that I'm not tempted to be on it while I'm spending time with my kiddos. And really being thoughtful about what do I actually need to do to act on this intention. It's so easy at this moment to slip into autopilot and go back to our old behaviors and what's comfortable. And that is when our intention that we set in our head and in our heart becomes this gentle reminder of how do we actually want to act in the world. So once we've set the intention, once we've acted on our intention, then we have to look for signs of how our actions are being received. And this, to me, is the trickiest part of the process. The challenge is being open enough, vulnerable enough, compassionate enough to actually receive the feedback that we're getting. This will tell us whether our intention is actually having the impact that we intended, or it could tell us whether we need to make some adjustments because it's not having the right impact. It is completely possible to have good intentions in our heart and in our mind, be acting with those intentions, but still have a negative impact. So that could look like me sitting at the dinner table with my kids. I put my phone away. I'm thinking about being present, but then I'm also thinking about all of the other things that I didn't get done that day, all of the things that I need to do next week. So I'm actually not being present in the moment. And then my kid starts to throw food on the floor. This is true story. <laughs> Every night, that is feedback for me that I am not being present and my kid is trying to get my attention. I have to remind myself of what is my intention right now. My intention is to be present, to be here with my kid, to have quality meal time together. And I come back in. So at this point, 
I've gone through the cycle. I've set the intention. I've acted on the intention. I've received feedback. And it starts all over again. For me, I found that this is really a act of compassion. And the more we learn to have compassion for ourselves and recognize that we are always in this constant cycle of shifting, adjusting, learning to show up as our best version of ourselves in this world, I think the more we start to have that same compassion for the people around us, and that's how it ripples out into the world. I encourage you to give it a try, give it some time, continue to practice, and let me know how that feels for you. What do you notice changes and what effects do you notice it has on you and on the people around you? I hope this becomes another tool for you to continue to practice self-love and self-care so that we can take care of ourselves, take care of each other, and ultimately take care of our environment. One of the things that inspires me every day is the incredible community of folks who are redefining what it means to have a relationship with nature. Whether it is new farmers, people reclaiming their wisdom of foraging in the forest, or folks giving us the confidence to step out and take a camping trip for the first time. These are all really important ways that we learn to discover ourselves, build connection with each other, and deepen our understanding of being part of this living world. Today, I want to introduce you to a few of those people, Priscilla and Listea, and I hope you take a moment to connect with them and support their wonderful work. This is Priscilla from Grass Becomes a Wave, a farm and studio on beautiful Whidbey Island, Washington. We need your help. This season, I'm joining forces with Case Farms, a multi-generational farm celebrating their 125th year, and we are laying down the foundation for a community-supported co-op. Our expanded crew and production means that we need a space to clean and prep all of our produce and flowers for our market. And this is where you come in. You can help us serve the community by donating funds that will help us build our wash pack station. You can donate via my GoFundMe page, and you can find that by Googling Grass Becomes a Wave, or you can donate via my Venmo at Priscilla Watson. That's at P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A dash W-A-T-S-O-N. Thanks, everybody. Hi, this is Listea with Friday Outdoors. We've recently launched an app to make camping know-how accessible offline and more diverse for newcomers. We partnered with your favorite outdoor leaders and companies like REI to make thoughtful videos and easy-to-follow tips, all of which are available offline. Check us out at fridayoutdoors.com slash get it. Thank you so much, Priscilla and Listea. Join us on Instagram for live conversations with these two or catch the replays. Thank you all so much for joining me for this inaugural edition of the Black Girl Country Living podcast. It's been awesome to dive into what it means to move into this year slowly with intention, with music, with laughter, and continuing to nurture our connection to ourselves, each other, and this beautiful living world. Take care, wild ones. Wild ones.